You know what's better than a tripod? A quad pod. Isn't that just a table? Wrong. It's a quad pod. Talking sports, pop culture, food, and, uh, more sports. Unofficially brought to you by KSRO and North Bay Biz Magazine. It's the Quad Pod with Jeff Woodworth, Mike DeWald, Luke Straub, and Frank Sumrall. I'm ready. Yeah, have you? Is it on recording? It's been recording. Oh, it's for been like recording the whole hours. time. Shit, nice. my bad. Well, nice. this will be fun to thumb through. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Quad Pod. I'm Jeff Woodworth, joined by Mike Dewald. Say hi, Mike. Hi, Frank Summerall. Howdy. And Luke Straub. What's up, everybody? Okay, so just a quick little background that this is unofficially brought to you by KSRO and North Bay Biz Magazine. Not the North Bay Biz Magazine, correct, fellas? It's just North Bay Biz? That's correct. Got to turn it into the Ohio State thing. Just the North Bay Biz. (laughs) So, uh, DeWald and I work for KSRO. Uh, He'll bring more journalistic integrity than I will. And then these two over here, Frank and Luke, they, they work for the magazine. They'll be bringing even more journalistic integrity. And wine. And wine? Mm-hmm. Where's the wine? We'll bring it next time. Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is all, all practice here. Dwald, you good? What am I going to do with my wine glass? I don't know. Jeez. I don't know. That's not my problem. I didn't know. I, was, I, also, I also told everybody to bring a laptop. Forgot to send out that text message, but I told you last I have week. have in the room. Well, that's not in the studio, so that's not good enough. But let's start off here, fellas. Uh, this is in collaboration with the uh, Cohort Sports Report umbrella and then also a Going Deep sports umbrella as well well you want to just briefly plug your podcast go ahead uh, of course i do uh going deep a raiders podcast Ten, uh nine, me and my buddy raider eight. larry are on the uh, <laughs> on the big heads media podcast network check out the podcast on the mothership at bigheadsmedia.com okay thank you and then of course there's the cohort sports report uh podcast mike you also have a podcast as well i do what is wow, it? wow i didn't expect that coming what is it wow It'd be the rock and vino podcast what do you guys talk about on the rock and vino podcast It'd be the how uh music and wine mix together sometimes mm. it's music sometimes it's wine Palata- it's good stuff palatable okay why have i not been invited to that wow yeah the wine guy the resident wine guy just popping corks uh frank do you have a podcast Oh, you do I, now. I, I do not. You do now. You do now. This is right. my first time. Awesome. So everybody's got a podcast. In fact, when you get four grown white men together, what do you call that? It's called a podcast. So it's called it's the pretty quad much every, pod. Every the quad pod. Out. That's right. Yes. Yes. Four legs, kind of a table, but no, it's a quad pod. All right. Let's start off first with uh, cheating in sports, fellas. I'm just going to open this up and toss it out there. Between what's happened with the Houston Astros and the New England cheaters, that, do we even care about hmm. cheating in sports anymore? Like, honestly, like, it's a competitive edge. In the business world, you kind of, you give the thumbs up to people about what, you know, like, if they try to get the next edge in, in business. So what, do you, what are your thoughts, Luke? Uh, do we care? We care when it happens. But does history care? I, I don't think so. You look, at the, you look at the Patriots, everyone knows they're a cheater, but everyone knows they're winners. So you look at the Astros. If they had cheated and won, that would have been good for them. But since they cheated and lost, bad. But they won, they won the World Series the year before. Maybe it didn't get caught on the year before. So that's good. So it's good. Yes, Frank? No? Don't agree with that? Yes, no? I mean, no, we don't care. We don't care what we cheat. We get mad about it, but then everyone else, three weeks from now, we'll, when they talk about Brady, they're going to call him the GOAT. When they uh-huh. talk about Bill Belichick, they're going to call him the GOAT. Uh-huh. It's not even, they don't even say arguably. He just is, according to everyone else in sports media, so no one cares. But there's just the minor details of like deflate gate. Spygate 1.0 and now 2.0. And then what was the other one? There was another one that they got caught for, right? They got popped for another cheating scandal. Deflategate, Spygate, Spygate 2.0. Well, th- those were the big ones. The, and then there defla- was... Deflategate, Spygate. Uh, Spygate was comprehensive, though. There was stuff in Bilitech's office 
there was the uh, the videotapes from from practice, uh, and this this latest thing that happened. This that's uh, just mo- more of it. But you know, history is written by the winners. You know, and and that's really where we're at. And, and as as a person that's followed the Raiders, we'll get more into that. We already have actually. I roll. I, <laughs> I can't. It's I, also very inconsistent too, because if you look at baseball and then you see um, PEDs. And mm-hmm. you see steroids, and then people are always arguing for Barry Bonds to get in the Hall of Fame anyway, and then they kind of forgive that cheating. So it just depends. Like, where yeah, do you draw true. the line? It's super consistent. That's a good point about the steroids. You know, people are really hammering to Barry Bonds about that. Uh, he did not win a, a World Series, if, if I do recall. So yeah, not even close. No, they, no, they came they, close in 2 That's a sensitive subject. Stop it. I'll drop you right now. <laughs> 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 that was man. I remember no. that. Boy, yeah. it, was, it was rough for those right, Giants, man. man. Tim My Salmon goodness. just going yard on us. Uh, Mike, so just a question: What's the difference between, um, like, you know, players cheating to get an edge up, the teams cheating to get an edge up, or whether it be like the league? Like, remember when the officials were? Remember back in the NBA when the officials got caught for for betting on games, and they could they could be slightly influenced. You know, granted they said that they weren't, but we know that there's probably some influence there on what's going on. I feel like the officials one is bigger because. They can actually directly control the outcome, or not not control the outcome, but can influence an outcome more oh, yeah. than the players can. Uh, I don't think there's much of a difference between players and teams because I'm sure to some extent everyone's doing something to try and get an advantage. Whether it goes to the level of cheating, uh, who knows? But you know, I'm sure everyone's got something they're doing, and it it's it. It's a little comical that it keeps being the Patriots, though. It it's really a little is. funny. You lose all benefit of the doubt, all credibility. So when Bill Belichick's curmudgeon ass is standing up in front of we had no idea that this was going on. I don't even affiliate <laughs> with Kraft Enterprises. It's like, yes, you do, because everything in that building has to be talked about. The Patriot way, everybody's on the same page. Don't give me that BS that you're not on the same page. You don't win for 20 years without being on the same page, granted if there's cheating or not, right? And I think if everybody's watched the Patriots game, where they've seen a where they've seen a call, and you just think, "Wow, the NFL is fixing to help the Patriots get ahead." So I do agree with Mike there when it says that the the league wide fixing that's way more of a big deal. Like I I would let a, a, a let a team individually cheat on their own, and then I guess I hope you don't get caught. But if you deliberately saw someone, like how many times have you seen LeBron get calls in the playoffs where you're just like, "That's a superstar call." Oh, it happens quite a bit, you know, and, and not just with LeBron, and that's why I think the officiating cheat the offici- uh, the official cheating is a way bigger deal. Because that, that goes into the integrity of, of the whole league. And something else, too, is that those officials do not have the personality that people can attach to and, and like. You know, Bill Belichick, even though he's not Joey Crawford, baby, that was you know, a little ball man. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, there are exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he make out with Chris, uh, Charles Barkley? That was game? another one. I forget his name, but it was quite the, uh, the, the, the public kiss that they did have uh-huh. in the All-Star game. But there's no uh, – when athletes and coaches cheat, it's it's easier for many to forgive them when if, when officials cheat it's like nobody likes officials anyway and plus it strikes the integrity of the whole game so that is a much bigger deal i think it's true well, no well, cheating is good but yeah. <laughs> when the refs do it for like it's always monetary it's always about money that makes it worse but if you ain't Absolutely. cheating you ain't trying that makes it worse. Worse. yeah and that's why yeah as uh and it's something fascinating about these athletes at a, at a super high level like We've never really been there, but we've, we've definitely competed. Like, we wouldn't cheat, I think. I mean, maybe I'm not can't speak, speak for yourself. Can't speak for everybody. <laughs> I, can't say, I can't say my moral compass wouldn't, right. for sure. And that's what I'm saying. It's pretty fascinating. When the more competitive you are, perhaps the more or, willing you are to cheat. What's more likely is that someone in the organization is doing it, and he just tells you to shut your mouth about it. Because <laughs> everybody knows about it, and right? Listen. 
And he's like, hey, if you ask or you just notice something and then all of a sudden people are starting raising eyebrows, you just like, no idea. We're on, uh, we're, we're on a Cincinnati. We're on a Cincinnati. What do you got, Dwell? The, the weird part that you don't necessarily think about with the league-wide stuff and with like referees is they may not be influencing who wins, but if you think about something like the spread that, I mean, I don't necessarily think about when watching a game, but so many people do, uh, just influencing that part of the game, whether, you know, the Warriors lose by 12 or 14 as to whether a call's getting made. Very so. big deal when the spread's 13. So, yeah, that is. But I, I guess I'd just put it point blank like this. If if you were competing and I told you and I came to you and I said, hey, I have some information or I have something, a tip or, you know, something you could use, it's going to give you a competitive advantage. Who in their right mind says no, right? I think that's what we really need to take a step back and like, yes, it sucks. Oh, man, there should be someone there to police it. But it's like at the end of the day, if you in your professional setting were offered a leg up, I think nine times out of ten people would take it. You'd get the one person who's just like, no, that's not what I'm doing. You know, but there's also a sucker born every minute. So it's like I don't. And that I, person's probably going to lose. Exactly. Also, if you think back to Deflategate, what is the defining moment of Deflategate? That Deflated was- balls. <laughs> no, it's the redemption tour afterwards and him winning a Super Bowl. Oh, that's that's what people cared about. They the don't even care about the Roger cheating. Goodell. They're like, oh, Roger Goodell sucks, and Tom Brady showed him up, even though he did do it. Yeah. It was part of it. They were found guilty for it. Well, with the Brady thing, even then, it was like he – I don't know if he ever pled guilty to it. Of More of it was just like the Patriots were like, let's just agree to this. Let's get it over with. Let's let Tom serve the four games, and I'm sure that rubbed him the wrong way. But just a quick review for anybody that doesn't know. You've had your head under a rock. The Astros – were cheating by uh, giving or tip, picking up on tip pitches, and then there'd be a, a what would appear to be like a garbage can being banged in the uh, mm-hmm. in the dugout. Like I, I would like to know how no one picked up on that. Real though, by, you like, know, just bang, bang. What's he inning. doing? Over there? <laughs> bang, bang. Why is he doing that? Is he leading a chant? I don't get it. It's just you I know. lost my cowbell. I had to think of something. <laughs> yeah, or, or being the guy who like came up with the signs and he's just you know like. Oh shit! It's a fastball! It's a fastball! My bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like you just you're screwing that up. There's so many ways for that to go wrong. And then with the Patriots, this whole ruse that you're you're videotaping a, a segment for your for your organization called Do Your Job, where everybody's just talking about you know like oh this is the small stuff I do and this is you know we tape ankles and and we're gonna go highlight the advanced scout. Get the hell out of here! Nobody cares about the dude who's videotaping people unless you're videotaping the wrong people. Right. Well, the wrong people would be Cincinnati. Why? Why bother? <laughs> because one win. It's a perfect crime. That is such a good point. Like, I can't wait for Cincinnati to win, though. I mean, that's <laughs> if they're doing that against Cincinnati. What are they doing against? What are they going to do against the Ravens when when that comes up? You that's know what a, I mean. I, beyond me. Wow. No. no. Did you uh, Did you see the Chiefs equipment uh, issue? Huh. Yes. With, against the Patriots. Yeah. So it's in New England. In New England, so a high school team took up like. All their facilities? Are we sure? It took up all their facilities. Also, the, the, the equipment was shipped to the wrong location. Like, what are you talking about? There's only Last time I checked, there's only one Foxborough in America, right? Like, Gillette Stadium. It's pretty, well, the yeah. Patriots might be playing here. Yeah, no. It doesn't make any sense, though. That's what's so confusing. Is like, I, uh, I don't. It, it just, it's always the Patriots. It's, it just lends more, uh, more comedy to it. It really is. And then at this point, you draw a line in the sand, and it's like you're either pro-Patriot or anti-Patriot. So if anything even comes out like this, right, any sort of violation whatsoever... You just immediately jump to the up. They're guilty. Now, you know? some, something about that. It could be the, the a higher level of scrutiny in this day and age. Something to think about. Something I learned was that back in the day, more Raiders stuff and Steelers, Jeff, you'll appreciate this. Back in the day, the Raiders would deflate the football. 
because Ken Stabler liked to throw a soft, fluttery football pass. Uh, but uh, Terry Bradshaw had a rocket for an arm, and with a deflated football, he couldn't throw such a tightly spiraled pass. So these things have been going on, and that's when I say, like, as a Raiders fan, uh, as, a, as a guy that's followed the Raiders, you know, it's hard for me to, like, say, hey, Patriots, cut that out, because mm-hmm. they're just cheating better than everybody else. And that's a whole competitive nature in, in, in and of itself, perhaps. Who can cheat the best? Who can win the most? Well, it's like sports specific too, right? Because like you look at baseball, baseball is the only one where the dimensions are still the same. Like at least 50% of the dimensions are still the same. But could you imagine just going to Kansas City and, oh, by the way, the north end zone, that's about five yards wider than the <laughs> south end zone because it's like in Boston, there's a giant green monster there for you to hit, a, you know, try and hit a home run over. It's like, I... I get that that there's like within the game there's there's certain advantages and yes that's why they made the parameters for what a ball should be inflated as, as like what the psi should point be point one two psi exactly yeah. right so at that point like I don't I don't really care if it's decimal points off but it's like if the ball is supposed to be at, at like let's say eleven five and you're tossing around a ball that's like ten like mm, <laughs> like that's probably not probably not fair you know like try and keep it within within some sort of range also just do your job. There's one your guy job. whose job is responsible for that. He's the uh, deflator. The deflator. Do, do your job. Just do your job and get ready for Cincinnati. Yeah. On to Cincinnati. What's up, Dwayne? Did you see the uh, talk this week about the, the, the baseballs? Because there was so much talk last year that they were wound so tight and mm-hmm. baseballs were flying out of ballparks. Um, MLB oh, no. said something to the effect of they found more variance from ball to ball that, like, one pitch could be this crazy wound tight ball, and one could be something totally different. They have, oh. <laughs> they don't know they can't account for it, which is fundamentally asinine if you think about it. Because who who manufactures the baseballs for for MLB Rawlings? Who no. owns Rawlings? Major League Baseball. <laughs> so figure it out, okay? Yeah, that, that is insane. We knew you tampered with the baseballs. You didn't have to lie, and then it turns out that the reason that they were flying out was because I guess they raised the seams. Okay. They either raised or lowered the seams. I wasn't sure exactly. I've heard lowered. Okay. Yeah. To, to be um, journalistically correct, they adjusted big, the seams. Big J journalism. <laughs> we don't know where, but big they J. adjusted them. Okay. Tighten those suckers up. All right. Well, All right. I, I must mention, though, uh, if we're talking baseballs, that some guy has to rub these baseballs with mud before they can be played with in, in the Major League Baseball. I don't know if you guys were aware of this. It's a, one of the weirdest things in sports. They have to rub. No, no. Please elaborate on that. What there uh, is, there is a um, a one. This is in sports per Sports Illustrated. There, every single baseball must go down to this man that lives uh, near a river with mud, and he, he in he, a he, van down <laughs> by the river. And he makes. I wish I read this article yesterday instead of two years ago. But he he has to go and 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 coat every baseball in this in this mud, uh, in this mud uh, compound he makes with the mud. And yes, it must be done. It's still happening to this day. Baseballs need mud. No, this is one Look guy it doing it. It exfoliates the leather. It's just a pop shop. It's good. Doing this. Uh, like you got to get no, in there nice and a deep shop. black. Do they, they do anything else? We, I, you know, it, it wasn't that comprehensive. They probably cork bats too. <laughs> do they you know? sell anything? Or Put some they? rosin no. on some pine tar on some uh, helmets. You know, no, as well. a, more of a factory, maybe more of a factory. Frank. Oh, out of business. Could it's, you imagine uh, that? It's just I imagine this conveyor belt with just like a little droplet of mud to like coat the ball. Oh, I'm just imagining him like taking like a like a like a bag. And then going down to the river and just just rolling them around a little bit and it, it, taking it, them back up to his back house. up. Frank is not off. It's actually a bucket. <laughs> a bucket. Jesus. All right. Fair enough. God damn. Baseball. You know, five gallon bucket. Good old fashioned. Uh, yeah, buckets never fail. So we know that baseball viewership has been down. Uh, does more offense make you guys want to tune into baseball? And will you guys tune in just to see if anybody's going to be cheating? 
more offense would make me tune into baseball if it wasn't all home runs. I, I, I like base hits. I like the excitement of that. I like the building, the, uh, the building uh, excitement. I like the payoff when, when multiple runs come, come over the plate. I like the, the baseball running, uh, rolling around in the outfield, guys chasing it, having to make cutoff throws. I like all of that. Right now, it's just all home runs. And sure, I still watch it, but I'm not like, yes, I want more of that. Lots of station-to-station baseball. And it's kind of boring to me. Okay, fair enough. I'm on the fence on this one. Oh, pun intended. <laughs> Bam. The, nice. uh, Rim shot. I'm not big on like all the super analytics and shifts and all that. St- but some of it's kind of fun. Like when they do like openers and you, these teams are trying weird and different things that might work. But then some, I don't know. Some of them I like and some of them I don't. And, I, yeah, that's a hard one. Banning, the, yeah. banning the shift is stupid because you're a professional hitter. Learn how to go opposite field. Okay. I don't want to hear this. Oh, I've been pulling my entire life. Yeah, like- it's like, let the defenses adjust. Yeah, that that's not my issue. That's not, and then and then reciprocate. Let the let the hitter adjust too. If you're going to see that these guys are going to overcompensate for you over here in right field, might as well try poking the ball over to left field, see what you could do, and manufacture out a double. Imagine but, Roger Goodell saying, "Hey, Lamar's really popular. No one can blitz him." <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They might be close to doing that. You can only run 15 RPOs, you know, a quarter. Like, there's some stupid rule like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you legislate. We're trying to legislate fairness in the interest of the game. Get out of here. Yeah, there's um, nothing. The, the shift is the shift, and yeah, there's it's it's uh, it's one of the most uh, polarizing or, or hot button button topics. But I agree, guys. There's, not, there's nothing to be done. Like, you're a professional hitter. Hit them where they ain't. Exactly. Who said that? Yogi Berra, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, an old-timer said that, we'll say. Someone who's old and it's played like baseball. Somebody picked me up on that. But, yeah, yeah there's nothing to be done about that. And baseball, I am excited while I say I'm not really into all the home runs being hit, and that's it. I am excited about all the change. And there's really uh, – it's change is weird, especially in such a traditional sport. But it is exciting to see perhaps where this sport's going to go, uh, how it's going to happen, and how it's going to progress – definitely gives us something to, to watch it in, in a game that's been the same for for years uh, although many people like that about it the, the nationals really really got me excited about baseball yeah uh, I'm I, with I, you I, on that. it was it was a good it was a good season i was checking in on it oh my god the yeah, they were, they were fun to watch. I did tune in. At Insane. Some, yeah, is that the World If Day? you Great Google hit them where they ain't, the baseball player Willie Keeler pops up, and uh, you can't see the computer. You can see the computer uh-huh. from here. But, Frank, just take a guess, Mr. Stats Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did he get inducted into the Hall of Fame? Willie Keeler. Actually, Dewald, you could take a guess, too. Looks go like ahead. that photo's from World War II. Yes, it's a black, <laughs> it's a black and white photo, so just go ahead and take a shot. 19, I'll say 1958. Wrong. Go ahead, Dwald. 1963. Jesus. what Guys, there was colored photos back then. If you could see the jersey he's wearing. 19, <laughs> 1939, fellas. 1939. Oh, that's, before, that's right when World War II started. Yeah. He, so, got, in, he got enshrined and then took off. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, had to go take care of it. He played for the Baltimore Orioles and the Brooklyn Super Bass. I don't know what it is. Super Bass? B-A-S? I don't know. That's just a type of fish. Oh, okay. everyone knows the Super Bass. Super Bass. Yeah, yeah. they were great. Extra wide mouth. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's good that we just solved a, a baseball issue there. Nobody's going to watch, um, but we're going to continue to hit home runs. We should probably raise the seams a little bit more. No, don't ban the shift. I, I do. You know, there's nothing like watching a guy on second on a bloop single and just being like, does he have the wheels to make it home? Because, yeah. I mean, watching guys trot around the bases gets old. Dewald, I do have this question. We're going to connect it to hockey real quick. Oh, Is no. There, yes. Oh, Pressure. Oh, no. Is there anything that... 
hockey teams do to try and get an advantage? Like, does the NHL mandate like how cold or how frozen a rink has to be? Right. Like, let's say maybe maybe there's a team that feels like uh, like Notre Dame used to do back in the day, growing their ice. I mean, their ice, growing their uh, grass out. Maybe somebody has a little bit sloshier ice. Is that a, is that something? I was trying to think about that as we were going here, and there's been uh, the size of goalie pads has always been a thing. Goalies like getting extra bulk. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some controversy around the Knights last year, and I wish I could remember what it was that they were. It was similar to like baseball that they were turning on the air conditioning in one direction to try and like <laughs> help the pucks go faster huh. or something like that. I, I don't think there's much they can do with the ice because ice is. What's up? With, what's up with the Zamboni? Does that affect the the the, the surface the slick or or I mean the, they're not just riding that thing around for fun are they? Because <laughs> I mean, it looks, time, yes. it looks kind of fun. Exactly. I mean, I'd be down with that. That's typical Vegas though. Got to get the house advantage going, exactly. you know. So I actually don't blame. I feel like Vegas would be the one that it's like it's okay. And New Jersey, the Devils should be able to do it too, right? How far away is Atlantic City from where the Devils play? Like, those should be the two places where it's like you know what house advantage, true to your brand. We got to keep that. Let it go. <laughs> All right. So. uh Luke has a countdown for us here. Luke, oh. Luke writes for the Raiders Wire, and he also, uh, you know, has the Raiders podcast going deep, and a big Raider fan. And this is the last last game at the Coliseum, so it's a little bittersweet. So what we did was we had Luke go down memory lane, and we want you to bring up your your most favorite memories of the Coliseum and the most painful memories of the Coliseum. Now, <clears throat> I had a great time uh, on this homework assignment. I got this straight from Mr. Jeff Woodworth. I went home, and I, I studied, and I read up on stuff. And, uh, <laughs> like the teacher from Peanuts. Yeah. So I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you very much. I will let you guys. I couldn't decide whether to go good or bad first. You guys want the bad moments of the Coliseum or the good? But the bad defines the Raiders, so get the good out of the yes, way. Yes, let's go That's with the good. Kind of go where the, I was leaning. Yes, let's get the good out of the way first. Let's um, go. First now, good one. Another uh, disclaimer before I, I hang with me, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't go just my memories. There's been so much history that happened at the Coliseum. I went all of the Coliseum's histories. But I, the best ones I have are the ones I personally uh, recall. But uh, we're going good first. Uh, number three. We, okay, three to one or one to three. Which way we're, we're going? going? Three to the, the, the number one, the the number one ranked memory. So number three. What about number two? We're we're gonna, oh oh you're going three two one. I yes. thought you were saying we're going to go three one then two. I was like ah, that don't make no sense. We don't know how lists work. We're doing we're doing countdown style. It's confusing so. man numbers. They're number. Hard. <laughs> uh, you should see my notes. I'm confused myself. <laughs> uh, but number three, the 2003 AFC title game where the Raiders beat the Titans, 41 to 24. Now, that was kind of self-explanatory. The Raiders came. That was the first time the Raiders made it to the Super Bowl since the 80s. Uh, Rich Gannon with a defining moment of the game, which I remember very fondly, running it, of course. That's where his best moments came. Like in the Super Bowl, he passed, and that didn't go so well. That was the uh, Air McNair Titans, right? Yeah, absolutely. Good knowledge, Frank. Very nice. So that was number three. Number two. This is, I think, despite me having an oddball rank number one, number two is my personal favorite, perhaps. Tim Brown's. 1,000th catch. Catch number 1,000, excuse me. The thing I liked about this was they completely stopped the game. And not only did they stop the game, they wheeled in Tim Brown's mother, wife, and whole family in on a golf cart to the middle of the field. And Tim, Tim Brown's got his helmet off. They got, I mean, they're playing uh, the music from The Natural. Dun, 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 dun. It's the wrong sport. They're doing that after they played the Autumn Wind. That's how long it took. Oh, okay. They played all the Autumn Wind, Jeez and they played little, all the Natural. And the look of aggravation, aggravation on Rich Gannon's face was hilarious. The very next play, after they resumed football play, touchdown pass to Jerry Rice. 
Ah, <laughs> nice. And I, I swear that was on purpose. Well, I mean, okay, I, I don't know if there's a dumber tradition that we have in sports, right? There's a lot of things that we do in sports where it's just like, I don't know, we just do it because that's the way it's been done. And I guess that's like that for life too. But is there something dumber? At least in baseball, they'll be like, actually, let's grab that Let's grab that ball real quick. We'll, we'll hold on to it. You hit your first home run. You got your first base hit. There you go. But just completely stopping a game to just acknowledge an achievement. Like, no, man. Like, I'm trying to keep adding to that number. Like, let me keep going. You're going to cool me off. Like, they do that in hockey? They <laughs> score. do. Oh, yeah. yeah. He just made, yeah, oh, it'd be great. Nabokov, yeah, throwback. Nabokov makes like his like 10,000 save or something like that, like halfway through the third period. And they're like, hold up, hold up. We got to have a ceremony. We're going to extend the game another 20 minutes to honor him with a golden puck. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. I'm sorry, Luke. Go ahead and finish. I mean, this. it was an obnoxiously, obnoxiously long stoppage of play. Yeah, but they did that for Drew Brees when he passed Peyton Manning's yardage record. Still stupid. Still stupid. And that's, geez, I mean, that's Drew Brees' Christ. Do, do you hate when uh, pitchers like take their hat off when they're walking to the dugout? No, that's fine because you're. I mean, it'd be nice if you walked a little bit faster <laughs> and don't step on that first baseline or that third baseline because that's you know that's bad uh, superstition. But I'm just okay. saying, like, okay, you know, the thing I hear you, Frank, and I did do a little research research on this. I went back to when Emmett Smith broke the rushing record. No golf cart whatsoever. His whole family. Yeah, st- his that, whole, that's a little much. His, that, the, the golf cart, I loved it. They're just and it's slow. His, his mother is very elderly. She's in the back. And it just took it was it was a really great moment. And plus, it was on Monday Night Football. John Madden was the announcer oh. for uh, so it was, it was pretty cool. I miss Madden. Okay, so number one, he's I did not, not. He's not dead. Oh, he's not commentating. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. But you're making, it sound, like he's, you're making it sound like he's dead, man. He's like, uh, <laughs> miss Pat Summerall. How about that? Yeah, that's one that you'd miss, right? Because yeah, well, OG Madden games. Now oh. just sad. And basically, I, I have his last name. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's Grandpa. So you know, uh, John Madden. I, I kind of miss him too, Frank. I'm going to go with Frank on this one a little bit because uh, John Madden used to do the KCBS uh, morning show. He's not on there anymore. Miss jo- John Madden, where are you at, bro? Take care. Come back. Get out the bus. Come off the bus. <laughs> no doubt. The Madden Cruiser. Okay, so number one, I went a little deep on this. This is actually from 1976, guys, so, oh. be, so bear with me. But What a wonderful this, year. This is a, game that led, <laughs> this is a game that led to the Raiders winning their first Super Bowl championship. All right? The thing I like most about this, this game at the Oakland Coliseum in 76 when the Raiders beat the Patriots, the Patriots got hosed in this game. They got royally hosed. Uh, a rough in the passer call saved the Raiders' skin. They were going to lose this game. The Raiders ended up winning this game, then winning the next week against the Steelers, who they could not get past. They beat the Steelers 24-7. That was also at the Oakland Coliseum. But this game reminds me to never, as best I can, complain about refereeing because it always comes back around. And with with a, a, a scorned Raiders fan from the tuck rule, I remember this game and I know that there's Patriots fans that feel just the same way I did with this game. But most of all, this moment led there, to... There were no Patriots fans before 2001. That's true. I was going to say, and Patriots fans have gotten enough calls to totally make up for that one. But There were less. There were definitely way less. But this game always reminds me that the ball bounces funny ways, and there's no, you just have to get through it. The Raiders still could have won that tuck rule game as much as it hurts me to say. Uh, so that, that is my number one moment at the Coliseum. Uh, I went deep on that one, guys. It's all uh, good. Honorable mentions, 1967 AFL title. Uh, that was the Raiders won that one, their first AFL title. Also, they lost the last AFL title game in the Coliseum, 17-7 to the Chiefs. Also, must be mentioned the Sea of Hands, 1974 versus Miami, and another game where the Raiders beat Ken Stabler when Ken Stabler was on the Houston Oilers. That is my complete list. I'm done with the good. What? There's no Derek Carr on there whatsoever. I feel like Derek Carr you could throw up there on the Mount Rushmore Raider quarterbacks. 
There's Derek Carr on the bad list. Oh, okay. Ooh. Well, oh, let's wow. get to what a it. tease. What a tease. Uh, let's go. Number, what is it? Number three? Number three. Number three. three. Very nice segue. Number, number three, 2016. Derek Carr breaks his leg on Christmas Eve. Mm. Was that there, at the Coliseum? That was at the Coliseum. The Raiders were, had a 19-point lead against the Colts. The Raiders were rolling that season. They had, I believe, 11 or 10 wins at that time. Yeah, they went, I think they went 12-4. and four. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders ended up winning that game, but there was no reason for Derek Carr to be in the game. And... The timing was pretty bad. What What was your unrealistic expectations for the Raiders that season pre-injury? Before the season started? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Just oh, when oh, they were oh. rolling. Oh, anything was possible at that point. Because the Raiders really, looking at the numbers, the point differential, the quality of their defense, they should not have had double-digit wins. Uh, so the way I was saying, anything was possible. They were getting so lucky and, and fortunate uh, due to some good hustle and some lucky breaks. Well, here was this... This 2016? 2016. So, is that the Marcus Tuiasasopo years? Well, we can just take him getting drafted as a bad moment. Tuiasasopo, man. That's a good name right there. But I'm saying, look at Derek Carr's stat line ever since. I mean, I don't think he's been the same quarterback ever since he broke his leg, to be completely honest. Yeah, never forget, 2016, as much as we joke on Derek Carr, six MVP votes. Six people thought he was the best player in the league. He he was it was a big big deal that year out of like fifty or something votes he got. Yeah, so. he was he was getting a man, and he he was only actually he was sacked only sixteen times that year. So he had all day. He had Amari Cooper and um, a, a very game Michael Crabtree. Uh, so car insurance. Yeah, car insurance. So moving on to number two, this is uh this is a really bad moment. I remember fondly two thousand AFC title. The Raiders lost to the Ravens. Tony Saragusa, a jolly fat man, mm-hmm. used all his jolly fatness to fall on Rich Gannon and pretty much break him as a mm. person. And the Raiders went on to lose 16-3. to That was a down moment. And I'll never forget, because me, myself, as a former uh, overweight lineman, I used to like to do this, is use all my weight on, on, a, on, a, on a player. And um, That's illegal now. It is illegal now. And you know, Rich Gannon, he, he probably vouches for that role. Good grief. The Raiders got waxed. I still remember Shannon Sharp running down the field a long way by himself. Um, <clears throat> number one. Can I get some kind of drum roll or something like that or some kind of anticipation? Lane Kiffman attempting a 76-yard field goal with Sebastian <laughs> Janikowski. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe 2007. How now, short did he get? How, how, how far did he make it? Not far. I mean, it was Sebastian Janikowski. He probably kicked it around 60 yards in the air. But it was a 76-yard field goal. That was a final FU to Al Davis. Al Davis, old man Al Davis, actually confronted Lane Kiffin on the way into the team bus and said, what the fuck are you doing, young man? So much of that defines the Raiders I knew as a kid. And it's, it's a it, perfect That is moment. why it's number one. That and drafting Darius Hayward Bay. Oh, you know what? Roger Goodell, when he said that name, I, I swear, he was like so happy to say it. He's like, <laughs> Darius Hayward Bay. Worst draft pick ever. But whoa, 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 I don't know about that. You're we can for- have a whole bunch I was of Raiders say, You're bad forgetting picks. about the one, That's the only, Jaminkus Russell, baby. Oh, man. Jamarcus was looking so good at LSU, and then he put on the silver and black, and it was like he touched the ball in Space Jam. I stand corrected. That was, yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the worst <laughs> draft pick. I was expecting that to be number one. It's basically anytime, anytime he drives. <laughs> Anytime he suited up for the Raiders was just the worst time in Raider history. I, Anytime he was healthy. I, I still, I, you know, I have, I have fond memories of Jamarcus only because he just was lazier, better than anybody. I mean, I, 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 he was just, he was so good at it. It was like an art. 
it's like if I feel like I could sum up Jamarcus Russell in one joke, it'd be like, "You want to see me throw a football over the mountains?" <laughs> As he hits his blunt and is like, "I am motivated to do nothing." Don't forget the purple drink. <laughs> oh, true. Dewald, what's up? I've never seen the video of the seventy-six yard field goal before. It's the you just watched thing it. I've ever seen. How short does he come? Oh, he kicks it into the stands like twenty rows deep to the right. Yeah, like, it could, there we go. It couldn't have been missed by any, but. When he's setting up for the field goal, he's like on his own five yard line. He's behind. He's behind the Raider logo, which <laughs> yeah. is just yeah. like, oh man. And and it must be said that that moment led to the epic, epically terrible, Al Davis overhead projector press conference, <laughs> where Al Davis tried out an overhead projector. I'm trying to. I'm gonna Google this real quick. Wait and a he fired Lane Kiffin with calls. With calls. With calls. <laughs> he he. And then he said, Jamarcus Russell. He's he. <laughs> He's he's better than Jason Campbell. Oh man! Oh, no. Jason I do Campbell, I do remember name. this. Holy oh, crap! Oh, excuse me. It was uh, it was. Uh, pardon me. It was Cam Newton. Jamarcus. He's better than Cam Newton. <laughs> I drafted Jamarcus. You got to play Jamarcus. Lane Kiffin fired with cause. <laughs> Here's my overhead projector. And it was just a fiasco. And, and he put uh, up, he put up. Okay, so he put up the firing letter, the letter that he gave to Lane Kiffin when he was firing him. It was like the worst presentation from the most obnoxiously terrible substitute teacher you could ever have. He starts it by saying it's a regretful day. Very much so. It was. <laughs> it was. Uh, wow. So that was my uh, number one moment. Uh, also, something that must be said, I think this is a kind of a unique moment. Brett Favre, 2003, 311 yards, four touchdowns in the first half, the day after his father passed away. That was quite a moment yeah. I think we all uh, can at least recall or know about that's gotta be a real bittersweet memory if you're a raider fan because you're like oh man he's balling out in memory of his dad but it happens to be against us like that's just it, you know yeah the thing about that one is like at the time it was okay but because it was such a good story and raiders fans actually cheered for him but the fact is it ushered in the futility which the raiders are still mired in and that's the thing that really kind of strikes out to me about that moment are we saying futility or mediocrity or what like what other words can we use there to describe what's going on in oakland uh calamity there you go yeah so. I mean, yeah. um, Travis Sham mockery. <laughs> I think the most Raiders outcome of this will be everyone going through the Oakland Coliseum nostalgia and going through it and going through it and going through it. And then the Vegas stadium won't be ready yet. No. And yep. We'll be back in Oakland next year. Yeah, or, or, or better yet, <laughs> let's not rule out the possibility of them playing at Stanford or Cal. How awesome would oh that be? God, yeah. Man. Hook them up there for a year, right? I think that... Given how fast a casino could go or a hotel could go up in Vegas, you're going to tell me that a football stadium's taken what four years now? It's I mean, it's because the Raiders are broke. That's why they should have they should have gone down to L.A. with the Rams, rode on Cranky or Cronky's dollar, and then let the Spanos family take their money from San Diego and go out to uh, Las Vegas. They should share that stadium with the Chargers that they're in right now. That'd be perfect. Ooh. You have three teams in L.A., two in the outskirts of L.A. where no one cares. And LA, those two LA, share that soccer field. L.A. County? Yeah. yeah. The L.A.C. actually stands for Los Angeles Chargers of That's Carson. That's beautiful so. California football. <laughs> the, the Raiders are about, uh, speaking of broke, about $2 billion in debt. Yes. Yes. So hey, it's a good go. thing you traded Khalil Mack, though, to free up that cap space. No doubt. Jeez Louise. That helps. I'm sorry. That was just unnecessary. But, but overall, uh, the, the, the Coliseum, it's a lot of history went, went on in that place, and that is undeniable. It's also unfortunate that it's ended on such a sour note. And I would say on this last game on Sunday, it, it's gotten to the point where I think the number one goal for the Raiders organization is that their team doesn't get booed in this last game like they did last week. And that's saying quite We're a bit. We're setting the bar real high here. That's saying quite a bit. You know, it's been a, it's been a rough go. And uh, 
all in all, I think the Raiders would have done better by uh, building a stadium in L.A. and staying down there, but they came back up and uh, made more memories, most of them bad. When did they change the name to Ring Central? I, that, that was something that Mike brought up on the way down to the concert we were going to last week in Humble Brag. But when did they change it from O.co <laughs> to Ring Central? It's, uh, it's actually officially has no name right now. The, the Ring Central is just, and this is the best of my knowledge. Uh, I have looked into this. Uh, that was the last thing they were called. I believe right now it's, it's got no name. I could be wrong about that. But it's, it's had numerous names. It was the McAfee Coliseum. Mm-hmm. It was, it was been all kinds of things. Um, O.co. Mm. many, many different names because <laughs> it's not really a hot commodity. Yeah. Do you remember the first game that was ever played there? Not that you would be alive for it, but do you know if they won that game or not? I could not say. That's, okay. I, that's, that'd be, that's a good question. I know. Research, I'm doing it right now, Duvall. I'm trying to find it, and I don't see it. I don't see nothing. No, 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 no. That's not good, though, when you see this, though, the, the capacity of the stadium drop from 50,000, and then all of a sudden it drops down to 35 and. 2016 because you're tarping off everything you had to put the tarps up yeah when they first came back it was nothing but blackouts i, I had to buy a transistor radio uh, uh or else uh, you know i got to know greg papa very well on the radio broadcast it's it's been it's been quite quite a story and i think the organization is really due for a fresh start uh you know i, I think that uh the fans are due are, are ready for a fresh start the, the psls are doing really well as far as sales down in vegas and it's, they like it's, the pumpkin spice lattes huh it's time to uh <laughs> yeah exactly uh, perhaps some of them got fooled to think that's what they were buying a lifetime supply of uh, pumpkin spice lattes. Stats. I have your box score from the first ever game. What year was it? it September 18th, 1966. Mm-hmm. Oh. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders. Oh, uh, wait. How fitting. The Chiefs were very good at that time. They, was that they Hank definitely Strong's were. Team? Okay. The Raiders got shellacked. Yeah, okay. No. 30 to 10. No. Very believable. Yeah, the you know Chiefs what? were losing Super Bowls to um, Lombardi at that time. Well, yeah, the Chiefs and the Raiders were definitely rivals. Chiefs lost uh, the first two Super Bowl, uh, first Super Bowl. The Raiders lost the second, if I do recall. The oh, Chiefs, so you're so you're pretty good too, then. Okay. Yeah, the Raiders were there. The, the uh, Raiders and the Chiefs played in the 1970 AFL Championship, when the Raiders lost 17 to seven. The great uh, Cotton Davidson went 18 of 42 for 200 yards. Oh, oh everyone man. knows. Yeah, Cotton, yeah. 242? Everyone, everyone knows. At that least guy. he threw for 242 because that's, that's a sub, really five, sub 500 <laughs> completion percentage. I don't know if that metric was being weighed that heavily at that the combines. That is back. not <laughs> uncommon for 66. Oh, yeah, no. Even Terry Bradshaw. You look at some of the great quarterbacks from back in the day, even Aikman, as much as people like to ho- uh, hoist Aikman up, he's getting lapped by the numbers that guys are doing today. Oh, yeah. Obviously, that has to do with the change in the style of game, but, you know. And we had Emma Smith, and but, yeah, most much to do about the uh, yeah the style of, of play. Okay. Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry that we used the Raiders as a punchline today to relive memory lane, but <laughs> can we set we'll set an, a very attainable bar if they want if the Raiders want to impress the quad pod, you don't necessarily have to win, just score more than ten points. And don't boo your own team. Just don't yes. get booed. That's, don't that's get booed the, uh, and score more than ten points because you want to score more to close it out than you did to open it. In that's, fact, I think if the, 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 the team's going to break on. They're I like go, that. They're going to go one eleven two, points or more. One two three. Don't get booed. <laughs> don't get booed. <laughs> 11 points. Here we go. Now, love and points. (laughs) All right. As we uh, wrap up the inaugural episode, uh, food-wise, I want to discuss what's your guys' favorite stadium food? Because I would contend – I just want to throw this out there. Obviously, we should. I, I should do this before I throw this at you. It'd be nice for a little bit more homework, you know. Um, but then we get a lovely breakdown like what Luke gave us. Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that wasn't a slight. That wasn't a slight. I, I like that. Um, you'll, you'll know when it's a slight. I'm gonna close my notebook now. Backhanded. Uh, is is the garlic fries at at what is it called now? Oracle Park. Oracle. 
Oh, there's, there's just and they come with the little mint on the side. It's like so thoughtful. It's like here, devour this like the disgusting individual you are, and then here's a little mint for you <laughs> after. Like so, when you go to when when you think of iconic, just sports food at a stadium, right? Like, and I want here's the kicker. I don't want you to be like, oh, dude, a Dodger dog, unless you've eaten the Dodger dog. Okay, what do you, what do you got? The uh, oh, I can't think of the exact name. They're Orlando's chicken bowls at uh, Oracle Park. Out in uh, Orla- center field. Orlando's they, Chicken Bowls? They are the best thing there. I feel oh. like no one knows them. I'm the only person that knows they exist, and what? they've been there since it opened. Or, no idea. They're amazing. But I've gone to many Kings games. They have no iconic food. <laughs> not, it's not bad. It's nothing iconic. As the in-house Warriors expert, yes. being, being at Chase Center. Frank is our Warriors inside. Humble um, brag. He, he has been and covered the game on a journalistic angle. I, Warriors outsider, know a scout. We know a scout. We know a scout. That's true. You did meet. Did you meet Adam? Did you meet didn't him. shake him. You didn't shake his hand. No. I shook his hand. But I, sh- I, knew I shared a drink where with he him. was sitting. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not creepy. <laughs> no iconic um, food at the Kings games. Why? Um, but Chase Center is building a Gots. Gots Burgers. Ooh. You guys know Gots Burgers? That's a Napa place, right? Mm-hmm. The Napa mm-hmm. Where Chris Paul and LeBron frequent? Yeah. Mm. Oh. Now, yeah, now I'm not going to go there. Well, that is a bummer because it is awesome. And, I, and they're building one in the stadium. So, Mike, I think you're referring to Orlando's Caribbean barbecue. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? Huh. It's Caribbean because you sound like a pirate. But I was going to say, is it, <laughs> is it Pirates of the Caribbean, but then it's Orlando's Caribbean barbecue? Like, how do you pronounce that? What's the deciphering there? I say Caribbean. Okay. I'm going with Caribbean. So it's, there's no denying it. Everyone loves the cha-cha bowl at Orlando's. It's got <laughs> rice, beans, and a choice of grilled chicken or pork carnitas, plus pineapple, zucchini, salsa. It's a hefty snack in the land of cotton candy and peanuts. They've also got jerk chicken nachos, fried pickle chips, plus mojitos and margaritas. I feel like I've gone there because I get some chicken nachos. That's like part of my little tour to food at, uh, at Oracle <laughs> Park. How killer are the smoothies at Smoothie King Arena? I don't know. I haven't been. I haven't that's either. In New, that's in New Orleans, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I haven't been to New Orleans, so I've have, I have yet to. i got to do that. Sorry. Look, all business Pete. Very jealous. He's not part of the. Yeah, uh, I told him he should uh, come in here. I say, you want to come in? No. He's shaking his head. No. <laughs> we'll get we'll him get, next time. We'll get Papa Pete to come in here eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Back in my day, you go to the ballpark and you can get peanuts and cotton candy for a dollar. Oh yeah, he's not that old. That's me. Uh, Luke, what is you when you think of iconic ballpark food? What do you what do you think of? Uh, to be honest, when I think of it, I think of the garlic fries because being in the Bay Area. But really, what it boils down to for me, guys, is uh, I'm pretty cheap. I'm just going to throw that out there. And my frugal team, TFT, my, team frugal. And when I go to a ball game, I'm pretty much bringing the backpack. Mm. I'm throwing, I'm, <laughs> I'm throwing the sandwich in there. I'm I, I'm throwing all that money towards getting the best ticket available, and uh, you know, uh, candy, popcorn, peanuts. I'm bringing I'm bringing the peanuts with the shell so I can make a mess like everyone else. <laughs> did but you, if I but did if you I know look. that I knew you were going to bring a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I should have after our sandwich talk yesterday. Turkey, ham, cheese, a little bit of lettuce on there. Yeah, you got to watch out for the cheese though, you know, because if it's gonna, you don't know how long it's going to stay in the bag. Mm. You know, I'm addicted to cheese, so. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't cheese have, and wine. Oh my god! But but I will say the last time I went to Oracle Park, where the Giants play, of course, uh, the ice cream out in out in center field, that was pretty darn good. Do you get an ice cream sandwich? Like, they, they make like uh, really nice, uh, nicely done ice cream sundaes. Oh. Did not get the ice. Those look amazing. The cream ice cream sandwiches, cream. But yeah, those look those look bomb. Sweet so tooth. What's the best thing to get at Sap Center where the Sharks play? At the tank. They're getting better. They, for a long time, oh, there that was sounds bad. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was rough there for a long time. They had a one a few weeks ago. There was a giant like carving station with like prime rib and turkey. It was amazing. 
Did you get any? I did. Okay. See, I I understand the the frugality thing. So that's where like I might skimp on a ticket. Like you know, it's like oh, what do I need to sit five rows up for? I'll take the five rows back. I'll save mm-hmm, about fifteen mm-hmm. bucks. You go, you get there nice and early. You pregame with some Modellos. You get yourself just a nice little buzz going, so you can at least walk through, walk past the uh, SFPD. And then you go and you get yourself the uh, chicken tenders with the garlic fries, and then you go with uh, chicken nachos out in center field, probably from the the Caribbean barbecue place. <laughs> and then and then you wash it down with some beer and hot chocolate, and you're good to go. But okay. all right, fellas, uh, sounds like a plan. I'm looking at Mike, and he's getting antsy. He's got to go. He's got other things to do because he practically runs shit around here. So I just want to say thank you, guys. We'll uh, convene back here uh, next Friday. Is there uh, any parting shots or any any shit that anybody wants to talk real quick? Uh, I like to say, uh, you know, whoever puts the mud on those baseballs, just keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. Uh, Jameis Winston's my starting quarterback for fantasy, so let's <laughs> see how he does. Uh, I'm, cool. I'm on the edge of my seat on that one. Uh, <laughs> Mike, do you have anything you want to say? I look forward to defeating Jeff in the fantasy football oh, conference finals right. this week. That's Dang. right. Under One of the umbrellas that we're under, the Cohort Sports Report Fantasy Football League, which I'll extend the invitation to you guys next year. Don't worry. There's a couple people that didn't try this year, and I'm just like, no, no, get the fuck out of here. You're done. We're, I can't have this. We're playing for money. DeWald and I going off in the semifinals, and in my history of playing fantasy football, this is my this is my hurdle. I make it to the I make it to the semifinals and I always lose. So even if I just get in the finals, I know I'm going to come away with a little bit of money, which is cool. Yeah. But I'm going to want to win. But this almost feels like the championship weekend for me. And I know that's a real loser mentality. But it's fantasy football, and I don't have any control of what those guys do aside from setting the lineup, set it and forget it. Like Ronco, shouts out to them. But, okay, so we'll 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 convene back. And if Dewald's super sad next Saturday or next Friday, and I'm talking a whole bunch of mess, then you know exactly how that went. But. All right, thank you. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll convene here on uh, next next Friday. Oh, make hell sure, yeah. Make sure you check out Rock and Vino for the wine and rock and roll. Frank's going to come up with another podcast, too, on his own. Maybe Frank's thoughts. Frankie, Three baby. hours. Three hours. <laughs> the Frank's going to be talking about Val Kilmer. The, oh, we didn't even talk. Okay, that's next. Next episode, Val Kilmer Fan Club gets unveiled. All right, and then and then Luke, you can check out on a go, uh, Going Deep, correct? That's right. Going Deep. I'll never forget that. And it's because <laughs> something I don't do. And then you got uh, the Cohort Sports Report. So plenty of podcasts if you want to listen to all our tantalizing voices get up in your ears. Until next Friday. 